0: let's get into God's word a bit together this morning. Um, Let me pray first. Father, I just pray that you would, um, Hmm. you would encourage us, that you would, you would help us to see your glory displayed not only in the face of Christ, but in the face of our brothers and sisters whom you've created. And help us to find the joy and see the beauty of that in Christ's name. Amen. I want to thank those of you who um, allowed my gave my family the opportunity just to rest over the last little while who pushed their limits and were uncomfortable doing things that they don't normally do and I it was a blessing to our family we um, on our holiday one of the things that we did is we made a road trip to see my parents how many know where my parents live where and what is Drumheller known for land of the dinosaurs now I could tell you all about the things that we did there the places that we went and and I could you know go into all the details about it but do you how do you really know I went to Drumheller unless you're like stalking me by a phone app or something how do you really know that I went to Drumheller because I can tell you all about it but until you experience it with me you're not gonna enter into it the same way so I have something to prove that I was there and I'm gonna put it up on this table and I'm gonna ask The kids, you can't be a part of my family or extended family. The kids to tell me what you think this is, I'm going to put it on the table. You can come up and look at it. You can touch it. Be careful you pick it up because it's really heavy. And we're going to see if you can guess what it is. You can come up and look at it and tell me if you, just just come look at it. Tell me what you think it is. What's that? Okay, Isaiah has a guess. He says a dinosaur bone. Anyone else have guesses? What's that? It's, it's not petrified, petrified poop, no. <laughs> yeah. So while we were there, my family and I, uh, we went out, my kids, uh, Lisa and my dad, we went out and we found dinosaur bones. And those are proof that I was actually in Drumheller. You can come up later and pick them up and touch them. They're just really like rocks. Um, we found other, there's other small ones in there, but there's, there's something different than knowing that we went somewhere and being able to experience with each other. Psalm 19:1 and 2 are the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day it pours out speech and night to night it reveals knowledge. In Romans chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them, to you and to me, because God has shown it to them, to us. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. I can tell you all about the creation. I can tell you how sweet honey is and how great it is to the taste, but until you get the honey on the tip of your tongue and taste it, you're not really going to know how great it is until you experience it. One of the things... That struck me, or one of the things that I always love when we we make that trip to Drumheller, is you get to see the diversity of God's creation. We live here in a temperate rainforest, and then you get to go on a ship. You, you Islander people call it ferries, Prairie people call it ship. We get to go on a ship across the ocean to the mainland, and then we'd start driving. You get to Kamloops. What's the what's the climate like in Kamloops? Dry and hot. And then you, you go over into Salmon Arm and Sycamus, and you see Shushwap Lake, and then you get to Three Valley Gap eventually, and there's these mountains that are just huge. all You can't see anything <coughs> but mountains. And eventually you, you get to Banff, and you see these granite slabs of rock that have been pushed up through the crust of the earth, and they're just huge. Like they're just, have you, has there, have, how many have been to Banff? It's, it's unbelievable. And then you get out into the prairies, and you see these yellow fields are either rapeseed or mustard fields and they're they're all blocked in by these roads and they look just like this this patchwork of a quilt that my grandma used to make colorful vibrant and it's one thing to to tell you about it but it's another thing when you make that trip of seeing it some of you have traveled all around the world and you would have similar stories of all the amazing things that you've seen and so when we got halfway of the journey is Sycamus, and we planned to stay there. We'd made reservations. And as we were coming down into Sycamus, I'd had the local radio station on, and I was hearing, uh, there's a fire at the south of the town, so every, the whole city's been put on evacuation alert, and so we're like, okay, what do we do? So we stopped at this place that we were gonna stay, and we met the owner, which was Pat, a lady who was like older than me and had like that smoker's voice, you know? Um, and, uh, and so I was asking, like, what do we do? Like, we don't want to leave you, you know, kind of with an empty room or whatever. And she says, you just need to do what's best for your family. And as I was standing there, I asked her, I said, like, we really have to go to the bathroom, right? Like, we've been traveling for a long time. Like, can we? Anyway, she opened up one of the rooms and let us use the washroom, knowing that we weren't going to stay there. And when we came out of the, that room, she had a bowl of frozen treats for the rest of our journey. We had to go another 70 or 80 kilometers, knowing that she wasn't getting anything from us. And so we continued on to Revelstoke and eventually we get to my parents. And what hit me as as I'm thinking back on our trip was that the things that I'd experienced in the past and the glories of God that I'd seen in the past as I've traveled through, I have pictures on my phone of times when we've made that journey of the amazing mountains, the emerald green lakes and rivers, wildlife. This time we couldn't see anything. Why? Because of all the smoke. The glory of God's creation that is declaring his greatness and who he is had been obscured by all the smoke that was, that was filling up the atmosphere. And so there was a bit of a, a dis- disappointment. And I was reflecting that I think that is kind of a, a metaphor or a picture of our life that we know the story of God, we know the glories of God, not only in creation, but in the face of the person and the work of Christ. And yet right now in our lives, and it's always been the case, there's issues that come and they seem to be a great source of division or anger or frustration or worry or anxiety, whatever they might be. And there's tensions that rise in our heart, whether it's due to the pandemic or political issues that are gonna come to the surface now as we head into an election. And we all have our opinions about that. Racial tensions, one of the things it's, that I've noticed and had many conversations of over this last while is there's been amazing tensions in marriages because people actually have had to be together over this last little while, and it's affected some families in really hard ways. Child abuse has been higher because of the stress of being at home and the use of alcohol. All of these things are happening in and around us, maybe with some of your friends and families. But there's so many things that grab my attention that here's the image my phone I have an iPhone I don't know if anyone sells an iPhone but it's got a little thing in here that you can do a portrait shot is, does anyone know what a portrait shot is so a portrait the whole purpose of a portrait shot is you take a picture and you want to have your subject in focus and your subjects in focus but what what's what happens to the background it's blurred, it's blurred. and what's that called does anyone know it's called the bokeh is the background. The blur of the background is, and, and the be- more expensive cameras have better bokeh, but in, in an iPhone, it'll, it'll make this, the person stand out, and that's how they make the person stand out, is the background is blurred. It does it electronically, not so much with the lens. And sometimes I think that's what happens in our own walk of faith. There's at times where we're so focused on a story or a news or, or some really important thing right in front of us that the background gets blurry. And then there's other times in your life where the black background is totally, it's just clear. Your, your relationship with God, the glories of God, your relationship with Christ, it's just you're fixed on Christ and things are just making sense. And it puts all everything else into perspective. And yet right now, there's so many different things that are bending my heart, and maybe they're bending your heart too. All the stories that... Uh, even just last night I was reading a bit of the news which I shouldn't do and I found myself getting a bit anxious because I'm forgetting I'm, I'm getting focused on this story instead of the great story and that's how I find my life sometimes they, uh, things get in the way of me from seeing and being captivated by the glory of God of God's great redemptive story I find that God's story gets clouded out in the busyness of my life with all these smaller finite stories and some of them are good I'm not saying that we we shouldn't rejoice in them at all there's a lot of things to be but if, if we focus solely on shelter for example and that becomes everything to us pretty soon we're focused on nicer homes fancier all that kind of stuff and we forget about the bigger story right it's we're always being drawn into that that is the struggle of the Christian faith it's one thing to know about the, the God's great redemptive story. And many of you have heard it your whole lives. It's a part of the fabric of who you are. But sometimes we're, we forget, and it gets a bit clouded, or smoked out. And we need to re-experience it in real time. That's your struggle. It is my struggle. And in fact, that's what scripture says we're always going to struggle with until the Lord returns. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit as a gift to keep us focused on what's most important and you know this every time you turn on the radio the TV or you check your social media if you if that's part of your life or you drop into conversations or in conversations there's a lot that's happening that seems to grab our attention or be the center of those conversations and we can get caught up in talking about many stories but the greater story seems to be very distant and we miss out on the story that's meant to grab our hearts and change us forever and that's the struggle that I've been having, and maybe you have as well, of all the news that we take in, and it's, it's all around us. You hear that, and it begins to bend your heart. You, you can get captivated by it. You get gripped by the fear of, for yourself or your children, or anxious about what will happen or not will happen, what, what won't happen or what will happen in the next few months. And the sky begins to get a bit cloudy. Things that, once were clear, are not so clear anymore. And that's why, as God's people, we have to keep coming back to the gospel, the good news of God's great story, because it shows and remind us, reminds us that God is on the throne. And we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. Right now, Jesus is king, and he's reigning in power. Not everything is under his control yet, in, in one sense but he's in over and through all things and for those who love God all things work together for those who love God and been called according to his purpose there are no mistakes in God's plan nothing go- is going to stop God from building his church and you you are that church the gates of hell will not prevail against it and most of you know the good news. The good news is we know who God is. That's why we have the scripture. It tells us who God is. It tells us what he's done for us in the person and the work of Christ. And then it tells us who we are now in light of what he's done, that Jesus lived the the perfect life that you and I cannot and never will be able to live. And then he died on the cross. He, He took that perfection and he submitted it to God as your substitute and he paid your debt. You know this story. And he went right into the courtroom of God the Father. I was reflecting this week on, on the Old Testament story of Esther. Esther was the queen, and her people, the Jewish people, which it comes out that she was a Jew, and she's now a queen, and she's going to go to the king in fear of her life. Do you realize that that is a picture of Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ, who went in on behalf of his people, into the <laughs> Father's presence and gave himself and surrendered himself and put himself at the mercy of the Father. And like Esther, the Jewish people were spared. Like you and I, we have been spared because Jesus Christ has gone into the throne room of God the Father and now we can come boldly into the presence of God the Father. And we receive this all as a gift of grace by faith. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You're not just forgiven. You've been clothed in the white robes of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the Father sees you and I based on everything that Jesus has done as perfect, without blemish, holy, blameless. You belong to him. He's for you and not against you. And yet it's one thing for me to tell you that. It's another thing for you to hear that proclaimed, but you must experience it. And so this morning, like all other times in the history of the church, you and I, as we gather together as God's people, are displaying to each other by the very presence of your being... For those of you who have faith in Christ, the good news of the gospel that's been proclaimed, that you received and you experienced it, and now by faith you are here to display it. You are the children of God. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are spirit-filled. You belong to God and to each other to display that God is on the throne, that you are not alone, and you can be reminded that his story is the greatest story just by being here. And I think I forget that sometimes. Psalm 19 and Romans 1 that we read earlier is, says that God's creation displays his glory His invisible attributes and divine power are made visible by His creation. And then you come to the New Testament, and the good news of the gospel is it lands in our hearts and begins to grow. Something happens. You become a new creation, born again, born of God by the Spirit. And just like the creation of God that I witnessed from the coast to the prairies is unique and diverse, and declares the glory of God. So too, you are unique, and you declare the glories of God in the way that He has made you, just by being here. And yet, how often I want everyone to be conformed into my image, right? Consider these three passages of Scripture quickly. Colossians three ten and eleven. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And then he says here, meaning in this church, in this body that Paul was writing to of Colossae, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He's saying here's a diverse group of ethnic people who value and look very different from one another, but Christ is all and in all. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. Ephesians two ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship really is a picture of a tapestry. A tapestry is not one thread, but it's many different threads of colors and and lengths and thicknesses and all this different things we woven together to, sh- to create a big picture that's the church you're his workmanship revelation 7 9 to 10 here's the end picture and we get to start living it right now in this moment after this john is speaking here after this i looked up and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, that's reference to the righteousness of Christ, with palm branches in their hand, they're worshiping, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what we're doing when we gather here. Reminding each other that there is a great story that surpasses any other story that's gripped your heart this week. You're not defined by what's happened to you in the past. You're defined by what Christ has done on the cross. And yet sometimes we fall back into those patterns. And then we get to be reminded again. The gathering together of God's people in the name of Christ is where we display God's creative, redemptive, power. Jonathan Lehman uh, is a pastor and he was recently talking about the past year where everyone has kind of been hearing the gospel proclaimed from the comfort of the couch, right? We're hearing a lot about the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the emerald lakes. We're hearing all about the glories of God But it's not until we gather together as God's people that that gospel, that the glories of Christ, is made visible. You are the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ, the temple of God, the family of God, the children of God. It's one thing to hear the gospel proclaimed. It's quite another to see it displayed. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as... A thread that's in the hand of a sovereign providential God weaving it together with other believers to tell the story, his great redemptive story. Now our family is very different. You think you know, you, and you guys all know this in fact, two of us love olives. Two of us hate olives. Jabin's the Olive king, but I enjoy adrenaline things like mountain biking. I just enjoy adrenaline. My wife does everything to avoid it at all costs. Some of you here love to sing. You find it not only meaningful, but it affects you. I know there's others of you who singing does nothing for you. The truth of the song ministers to you very deeply. Others of you are very demonstrative. You might raise your hands, although we're pretty poor at that here, which I think you should maybe grow out of your comfort zone a little bit. But maybe that's not you. And you could be worshiping God and look dead, even though God is moving in your heart in an incredible, powerful way. Some of you wear your emotions on on your sleeve, you know exactly what, what what's going on in your life. You can't hide it. That would be me. And then my father-in-law, or Steve, or these just were different. Some of you, when you hear the word theology, you get all excited. Others of you just go, ah, oh, boring. Some of you are highly opinionated. Everybody knows what you think. Other of you just hold things close to your chest. Some of you, when there's an opportunity to have a gathering at your house or to go to a party, you just light up. (laughs) It just fires you up. Others, you just start sweating at the thought. You want to run away. Some of you love to sit down and just enjoy the reading of a book. Others, you sit down and you start into a chapter and you realize that you're bored and you want to go do something. Some of you go in the sun for 10 minutes and you have a tan. Others are burnt to a crisp. Some of you are very cautious in your approach to life. Some of you just barge your way through. I'll ask forgiveness later. Some of you have hair. Some of us don't. Some of you are driven by the clock on the wall. Others of you never even know what time it is. The point is, you are all different. None of you here is the same. Because God in his sovereign providential plan placed you in the families and in the circumstances, the places that you grew up with, the people you grew up He's given you your personalities and your dispositions. He's knit knit you physically, the way you are physically, in the womb of your mother as he has desired. You are a work of art by the hand of God. Perfect in his eyes. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to stretch and change in some of the areas where maybe we rub others wrong, but that's the whole point. This morning I want you to hear this, that you are an individual uniquely crafted by the hand of God like the, from the coast to the prairies to show the greatness of who our creator Jesus Christ has made and is making you to be. He is the clay. You are the potter. He gets the glory and you display it. And he's not finished with us. And he's a good God who's always faithful. Someday... We cloud the picture because we're not living with our eyes fixed on Christ. We're caught up in other stories. And then a brother or sister comes along and helps navigate us back and removes some of the clouds. Those of you who have faith in Christ this morning, you've been born by the Spirit of God. You are his workmanship. You're a new creation. You've been adopted into a new family, bought with a price, pursued by the great shepherd, and lifted out of the thicket of your sin and been brought into the fold of his forever sheep. He will never lose you, or leave you, or forsake you. Those that the Father has given to the Son, He will lose none of them. You are the sons and daughters of God forever. Nothing can change that. You and my and, my, my and your uniqueness displays the glories of God in the unique way that He has crafted us and when we arrive here as responders of the good news as new creation and as our lives are more greatly intersected with one another in the way that we love each other in the way that we show grace to one another and forgive each other and show patience with honor because we are so different and we drive each other nuts we display the gospel The gospel is made visible not in our perfection and how everybody's the same, but in how we deal with all the uniqueness and the differences and how it all works together. Just like when you lift that rock up at the beach and you see a million little things scurrying, but every one of those things is necessary for the health of that little ecosystem under the rock. (laughs) So is the church. You're the hands and feet of Christ that display the gospel. We are to live in word and in deed. So we gather here today by faith, as new creations created in in Christ Jesus. We, in this community of faith, as you gather here today, in the way that God's made you, coming by faith, are helping me to see the gospel made visible. You're helping to display the glory of Christ to me, to remind me that there's a greater story that my heart needs to be grabbed by. And so our differences magnify the greatness of Christ. There's Jew, there's Greek, there are all those people, but Christ is all and in all. He never asks us to give up our ethnicity. Remember, Revelation, people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue is worshiping God. That's what makes Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. He's drawn you and me, people from different tribes, tongues, nations, dispositions, body types, personalities, to trust him as their king. And we come here united in Christ because Christ is all and in all, and, and he's bigger than any of our differences Consider this, I'm no longer a man who is a Christian. I'm a Christian who happens to be a man. Our ethnicity is not gone, but it stands behind Christ, my love and Christ's love. They're not Haitians who are Christians, they're Christian Haitians. You're not a mom, a dad, a grandpa, a grandpa, a son, a daughter, a husband, wife who is a Christian, but you are a Christian mom, a Christian dad, a grandma, a grandpa, a son, daughter, a husband, wife, friend, employer, employee. Christ is all and in all, and we're unique in our callings and our dispositions. We don't lose our uniqueness, but our uniqueness becomes a place of celebration of the great work of Christ, who has called us all to live our lives together. And I don't know if I really grasp the beauty of that, like I should. This diversity as we gather together is not to be conformed into the image of each other, although we try to do that, but into the image of Jesus Christ in our uniqueness. And so we gather here to encourage one another. And we seek to invest in the lives of each other so that we can stay focused on the greater story. What story has a grip on your heart this morning? How do you know if your heart is gripped with the right story? Well, do you find yourselves fearful this morning or overly worried or anxious or angry or frustrated or impatient or bitter or cold or lifeless? and a bit ambivalent or maybe apathy has grabbed your heart maybe there's a dullness in your heart maybe you have a critical spirit that's one of the things i really struggle with and i could tell you stories of why i think that is when i go home i'm reminded so what news is gripping or or your heart one of the things that hits me too how do you know you're you're living in the big story well what what what, the, what gospel are you proclaiming? Is it the gospel of mountain biking? Is it the gospel of whatever, right? Like, what, if someone was to look at your life this week and determine what you love and what you worship and what you prize, would it be Christ? Obviously, life is more complicated, but it might be a bit of a test for you and I to know if we're living in the, and by the greatest story. We're people of the King. He owns you because you've been bought by His blood, by the sacrificial love of Christ. Once we were not God's people, but now we are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I think there's an amazing opportunity for us in this moment in time In the life of this nation to live out something completely different than what we're seeing in the culture I think it's quite a profound thing that we can live and make in making the gospel visible through our relationships and love for each other I can look around the room right now and I just see an incredible incredible works of Christ you are all so different. And in your unique way, you display to me more greatly the glories of my Christ from coast to the prairies. Thank you. And sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. I've been reading a marriage book. Lisa and I and Nick and yonika are going to uh, read a book together on marriage and if you'd like to be a part of that get a hold of us Lisa will have some more information shortly in coming out in our newsletter um, But one of the things he made a comment this week is that He he'd just gone through this whole list of how you need to love your spouse and you finish and you're just like oh, loser <laughs> And then he makes the point Christians are to live in weakness knowing that they can't do it and They can only do it through the strength that the Lord provides And so this morning, we're just reminded that we need Christ and we need each other. And he's promised to help us. Jude 24, 25, now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. I'm going to give you a couple minutes, and uh, we're going to, Lisa's going to come and start playing a song, and I'm going to read a portion of scripture for you, then we're going to, just going to sing some songs in closing. But really ask yourself, and ask God to search your heart. Are there stories that have a, have a hold on your heart this morning that are clouding out the greater story? And just confess them, and he will come, and he will, he will help you. Um, that's the beauty of Jesus. He's drawing us, not pushing us away. So we're just going to sing a few songs here in closing.